On today's show, a look at the best late-round pickups from the 2021 NHL Draft and part two of my discussion with Dauber prospect Sebastian High. Uh, this time we will look at the Montreal Canadiens' best prospects in the pipeline. All coming up on Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Hadi Kalakesh. I'm a scout and prospect analyst across multiple platforms. And five days a week, I bring you this podcast where I present to you everything prospects related from uh, updates about prospects to news to draft rankings uh, and anything in between. If you like prospects, just put this on and I'll do the work for you. Today, I've got a special episode for you. Uh, first, we're going to discuss the best late round pickups of the 2021 NHL draft. Now, with two years of, of hindsight, we're able to see which players have had, um, you know, above average uh, progressions in their games and are worth noting. Uh, there's five players that have that have highlighted that are, are really worth a mention after the fifth round. Um, so we're going to be presenting that. And then later on, you're going to have uh, Sebastian High back for part two of our discussion from last episode, uh, where we discussed the 2023 NHL draft and the uh, Ottawa 67s, a couple more things. But this time, we're really going to focus on um, the, the team that Sebastian covers for Dauber Prospects, which is the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, there's a lot to talk about there. They've got a lot of prospects currently playing in the NHL and a bunch coming up the pipeline that are really interesting. So uh, great for a great episode. If you haven't already, just make sure to like and subscribe uh, if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're watching on an audio platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always much appreciated. So let's get right into it. Um, in the 2021 NHL draft, uh, there were a couple names that I already had in mind, a couple even sort of re-entry prospects that, you know, this wasn't their first time around being draft eligible and they still, still weren't selected. And I thought that, um, they should have gotten their, their turn this year. And for me, this, this 2021 draft is really special because it came after COVID a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, high end prospects didn't get to play the full year because of COVID and, um, their league either shut down partially or completely in the OHL's case and it kind of muddied things. Um, so I really wanted to highlight the names that have really sort of stood out since then and, and made a name for themselves for their respective organizations. Uh, starting off, a prospect who I've had my eye on since his first draft year uh, of eligibility in 2019, and that's um, Dmitry Ryshevsky of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, a 21-year-old uh, right winger, a Russian right winger. He plays for Dinamo in Moscow right now in the KHL and last year, he put up 19 goals and 16 assists for 35 points in 48 games in one of the top men's leagues in the world. Not too bad for a 146th overall pick. Um, this is a prospect who is very shifty. He's got a lot of pace to his game. Um, he's relentless on and off the puck. Uh, his effort is constant and, and never ending throughout a shift. He doesn't sort of wean in and out of shifts and and uh, disappear from games at times. He's a very constant player in his involvement. And that's shown this year as well. He's got 10 goals and 9 assists for 19 points in 27 games for Dinamo Moscow. Um, last year, he was the top under-21 scorer in the league. Uh, that tendency continues this year. He's among the top prospects 
uh, in the KHL right now, and he's doing superb things for them, uh, leading the charge on the power play at five on five. He's got great results all over the board, and I'm really, really impressed with what I've seen from him so far. So he's the first prospect I wanted to highlight. Then we move four spots down to the 150th overall pick, and that's the Montreal Canadiens' Joshua Roy uh, from the Sherbrooke Phoenix in the QMJHL. Uh, he's a left wing who can also play center. Um, he, even, he even showed up on Connor Bedard's line for a while at the World Juniors uh, this past summer and did pretty well. Um, last season in the QMJHL, he actually won the QMJHL scoring title with 51 goals and 68 assists for 119 points in 66 games. Uh, this is a prospect who was sort of first round pedigree at the start of the draft year in 2021. A lot of People had him either in the first round or very near the first round, and then he sort of started dropping down and down uh, as his draft year went on. He wasn't having the best time at, at St. John's uh, with the St. John's uh, Sea Dogs. It wasn't ideal for him. Uh, his point production dropped. Uh, his involvement was off. He didn't seem to have enough stamina or physical strength. But with a year, uh, with with one summer of you know, strong physical development. You sort of turn that ship around in the very next year in his draft year, 119 points, 66 games and a scoring title, scoring title to his name. Um, he showed up at the Habs development camp and did pretty well, uh, but they sent him down. Ultimately, I think that's the best decision. Um, he's back with the, the Phoenix this year. He's playing on the same line as Ethan Gauthier. We mentioned him a couple episodes ago, uh, but he's got nine goals and 16 assists for 25 points in 14 games so far this year. So still on that track of being a high-end QMJHL scorer. Now, I'm not sure if his game will translate perfectly the way it is right now. I'm not sure he's going to be sort of a top uh, scorer at the pro level, uh, but he should be a very good complementary scorer. His ability to find space off the puck, to get himself free, to work along the boards, use his physicality. He's got a lot of little strengths to his game that I really like. Moving on from Bois, we've got Ty Voigt, a Leafs pick, uh, the 153rd overall pick in the draft from the Leafs. So three spots after Bois. He plays for the Sarnia Sting in the OHL. And Right after his draft year, he had an immediate impact for the Sting uh, with 26 goals and 54 assists for 80 points in 67 games. That's not too bad for a prospect who missed a ton of time uh, the season before due to COVID. Um, and then the this year, he's got six goals and 24 assists for 30 points in 15 games. So he's scoring at a two-point-per-game pace at the moment in the OHL, which is exceptional. Um, it is his draft plus two year. He's two years removed from his draft year, but still. Um, this kind of production doesn't happen often. He's a pure playmaker. I really love the way that he's able to chain together plays quickly. Um, he moves from pass receptions to passes to uh, to Deeks very very fluidly and 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 seamlessly. It's really sort of effortless for him. Um, he's sort of a, a natural hockey player, and the upside for him is pretty high. I think he could be a top six player down the road. Uh, maybe not for the Leafs with the top six that they have, but for a weaker team, he'd be a definite top six player in the future. I really like what I'm seeing from Ty Voigt so far. I was pretty high on him in his draft year when the Habs picked Joshua Roy at the 150th overall. Um, I was secretly thinking Ty Voigt would be a really, really good fit for him, but I was thinking maybe, you know, I'll give Roy the benefit of the doubt. And between the two is pretty tight, but I'd say that, that Ty Voigt, given the upside, doesn't have the certainty that Joshua Roy has. He's, he's pretty sort of pro-ready uh, at this point, but uh, Ty Voigt is a bit more sort of raw, but the upside with him is much higher than Joshua Roy, and uh, he would have been my pick at 150th. Um, moving on from Ty Voigt, we've got two more. The other prospect I wanted to mention is another Canadian prospect. So he went from the Jets to the Habs to the Leafs. Now we're looking at the Vancouver Canucks with their 178th overall pick in the sixth round. Uh, Connor Lockhart, a center from the Peterborough Peace in the OHL. 
Um, last year was his year, rookie year due to COVID. Uh, he had 48 points in 64 games. But this year, he's up to seven goals, 17 assists for 24 points in 15 games. He's been working really well on and off the puck. His understanding, his awareness of the game is really high end. And that sort of makes his game click. And I really like what I've been seeing from him so far. And finally, the last prospect I wanted to mention uh, among the late round steals of the 2021 draft is um, a New Jersey Devils pick in the seventh round uh, from SKA St. Petersburg, Zakhar Bartikov. Um, 203rd overall pick in the draft, and he hasn't been playing like it so far in, in Russia in, for, in the KHL. He went from three points in 19 games last year, which is sort of um, underwhelming. Uh, but, I mean, for a seventh round pick, it's not bad at all. So now he's got nine points in 18 games for St. Petersburg. I mean, SKA is a really high scoring team, so I'm not too surprised to see him, you know, earn his fair share of points, but he's earned his ice time um, as a young prospect in a men's league that usually does not give ice time to youngsters. Um, but doing really well, being, working really well off the puck, finding the, the, the space in the slot to tip pucks in, to get on rebounds, that kind of thing. Um, he's a pretty, he's a pretty beefy player. He's got a lot of weight to him and, and he uses it pretty well. Um, so Bartikov could be a very good bottom six uh, contributor in the future for the Devils. I really like what I've seen from him so far. And I've, I've followed him pretty closely along the years because I do cover the New Jersey Devils um, for Dauber prospects. And uh, he's been one of those guys that, you know, since he got drafted, I've just, you know, grown to like more and more. I like his playing style. I like the way that he manages um, you know, his his movements and his routes in the offensive zone. Uh, he might not be the most involved defensively or the smartest necessarily, but he's very opportunistic, and that's something that can can benefit an NHL team for sure. So that's it for the uh, best late-round pickers of the 2021 draft. Now we're going to go to Sebastian High's uh, comments on the Habs prospects and our discussion regarding that uh, right after these messages. Do you like betting? BetOnline.net is your number one source for any wager that interests you. From the NFL to the NBA to the MLB and even NCAA football, UFC, golf, anything you like, they have you covered. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game on their website or app. They're, of course, a great source for all of your sports wagering information. With live betting, so you can keep up with bets as they unfold. Uh, they've got up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so we are back with Sebastian High of Dauber Prospects uh, and his own work on Substack. Uh, does a lot of great work. You should give him a follow. Uh, but let's get right into it with uh, some discussions on, on the Habs prospects. So I want to start by um, just having you talk me through who you think are the top five prospects in the Habs system right now. Can make it a top six because that that's how my, my tiers function. Oh, of course. Uh, so, so, so the, the, the first tier... Uh, and, and only player in there is uh, Slavkovsky. I'm not sure if you want to include him or not. If we're doing like like including NHL players in in that in that ranking, yeah. Uh, but if we if we are yeah, so so Slavkovsky for me is the sole sole person at, at number one. I I I think that that he's 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 really solidifying that with his play so far this season. Mm -hmm. uh, and then my second tier goes from two to six, and it's Lane Hudson, uh, Philip Meshar, Caden Gooley, Sean Farrell, and Owen Beck. Uh, Owen Beck and Sean Farrell was a literal coin toss. Like I, that, that can go either way, and I, I don't mind. But mm -hmm. uh, th those are those are my guys, and I think that um, then the guys after that, you see guys like Yelonen and Harris, like right, right behind them. But mm -hmm. I, I think that 
like that that second tier is just a, a slight tinge above uh those other ones yeah for sure and by the way when we mentioned prospects we're mentioning anyone who didn't complete a, a full nhl season yet uh so the caulfields the suzukis even though they're young they're obviously in- excluded from these sorts of rankings um yeah i'm much of the same mind as you uh on, on this kind of thing um for, for me that that second tier is really solid and i think those those five prospects are really interchangeable without an issue yeah um for me, I, I think Farrell, for me, is, is a notch above Beck just because, you know, Beck is more of a sure product, whereas Farrell does have some uncertainty to his profile. There are still some things that need to be improved in terms of top speed, in terms of uh, playing inside yeah. contact, all that stuff. But for me, Farrell has the potential to be something special. Uh, maybe not a, a bona fide first liner, but a real top six, um, real top six threat for the Habs down the road if everything works out well. Um, so that's a really interesting top six. I don't have mine offhand. Um, really just wanted to highlight what Sebastian thought of those, those prospects, but it's, it's very quite similar. Um, moving on, who do you think are the most undervalued prospects? Let's, let's say three of them, uh, you think are the most overvalued in, in the HAP system. Overvalued or undervalued? Uh, sorry, undervalued. Okay. Um, undervalued. I would, I would first off, uh, start with, uh, Cédric Guindon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really liked his game, uh, so, so far to start this season. I'm seeing on Twitter, some people are already calling it like an absolute steal of a, of a pick. And I'm like, okay, guys, like pump the brakes a little bit on yeah. that. Uh, just because like, if you're, if you're using like junior production as a D plus one as your sole method of analysis in terms of what's a good pick and what's not, uh, well, yeah, there, I think that, that, that's a bit too surface level. But uh, I, I like him a lot. He's very intelligent, uh, very inside driven. Uh, he connects to play with his line mates exceptionally well. Uh, I, I think that because he's, he's also playing with high skill players, uh, mm-hmm. including a player who's probably going to go top 15 this year in Colby Barlow uh, in Owen Sound. So uh, he has that, that, I guess, track record now of, of not just playing with high skill players, but improving them and, and, and creating space for them. And, setting them up inside that space that he opens up for them. Uh, and he's just very intelligent. Uh, I don't really see many flaws in his game, uh, but he has enough strengths in his transition ability, in the way he processes the game, in uh, also even like if you go into like his defensive zone like movements, I think yeah. he does very well to, to keep play away from the slot. Mm-hmm. And I think that he has enough things there to, to make him a pretty solid bet to be a bottom six NHLer at some point down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people are kind of, are, are still sleeping on him. Uh, so I, I, I do like him a lot. Uh, another guy undervalued. Uh, I would probably go with Emil Heinemann. Uh, I think uh, like he's kind of slipping under the radar because he was kind of viewed as a throw-in in that Toffoli trade, mm-hmm. uh, which he shouldn't have been. And uh, he, I mean, his, his training camp here was excellent, uh, but he just has so many pro habits already. And despite being an awful skater um, and 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 being limited in what he can do, he he really it is very funny that the Habs got him in return for Toffoli because there are some real similarities in their games. Of I was going to say, awful, yeah. awful top speed, uh, painful stride mechanics, 
-hmm. but a great shot, great off puck awareness, especially in the offensive zone. Uh, Lake can play very well with their line mates, right? Like like there are those, those those, those things to build off of and his his shot is already easily NHL level Mm -hmm. uh, and he knows when to use it. And that's also key. Like he, he, he goes to the middle of the ice to use, he's not shooting from the periphery. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think Heinemann is also another one that's undervalued. And you know what? I'm just to make you smile. uh, Let's finish it off with Xavier Simonou. Uh, I think <laughs> yes, I'm with, I'm with I'm with you on him. I I, I like Simonu a ton. Uh, he's been excellent to start his career in the AHL. That was one thing I was not not concerned about, but perhaps a little bit uh, uh, hesitant to be just as high on him as you have been. Yeah, uh, just I wanted to see him play pro hockey first, right, mm-hmm. and just see how that translates because the QMJHL is the QMJHL, uh, and despite him having habits that look very pro ready at the QMJHL level. Sometimes even then you see them actually play with like like in pro hockey speeds and it just kind of crumbles. Yep. And that has not been the case with, with Simonu. Uh he is playing with inside contact exceptionally well. Uh there's the, there's, there's that one clip of him bodying Curtis Douglas or six Curtis foot Douglas. nine yeah. Curtis Douglas, uh for Massive that matter. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> a literal foot taller than him, probably yeah. a bit more. More, yeah. Uh, putting yeah. two inches taller than him. <sighs> Insane. Uh but he's just playing a, a exceptionally intelligent and skill playmaking game which is what he's always been doing uh so i i i'm continuously being more and more convinced by simono and his potential to be a even middle six nhl guy if he keeps improving uh mm-hmm. and i think that is really the, the key thing in the half system like there is that lack of true elite upside in in the half system i think probably the only the only two players in the entire system that have genuine elite upside are lane hudson and yuri Sikowski. I can't think of anyone else that, that, that has any chance of being an, an elite player. Yeah. But there's just a swath of guys that could be middle pairing, middle line guy, like middle six guys, right? Mm-hmm. And having that kind of depth, like like the Montreal Canadiens moving forward for the next 10 to 15 years are not going to have to worry about how to fill out their lineup because they have all the tools that they need in their system already. Exactly. The question from this point onwards is how do you build the top of it, right? especially on defense, right? I think you need one more, at least one more high-end component to drive the offense. I I, I don't think Suzuki or Caulfield are going to be the go-to offensive drivers if this team wants to be perennial cup contenders. You need one, like, superstar piece in there to really get, like, all the gears ticking. But it's especially on defense there, right? Like, I, I... I think I, in, a, in an ideal world, you have Caden Gooley as your number three defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, he, if, if he keeps progressing as he has, and he's been, he's been very strong this season, uh, if he keeps going that way, maybe number two, maybe. But I think, it, especially if you want to be a perennial contender, if he's your number three, you are set. Exactly. Uh, so the, the, Hab, the Habs really need to, to get defensemen from somewhere. And it's probably not going to be from from the 2023 draft class because this is the most forward heavy class we've seen in a long time, mm-hmm. uh, as we discussed yesterday. Uh, but yeah, it, I think that that that's where I'd be a bit bit more concerned with the Habs. It's on the defensive side of things, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean goalies are weird, right? Like 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 you always see teams get like either they they develop a, like a seventh round draft pick goalie for like eight years and he comes in and is elite, or they just get him as a waiver pickup, right? Like these things just happen with, with goalies where you don't necessarily need to like draft one very early in order to, to develop him. Mm-hmm. But 
I think Jakub Dobesh is a very interesting prospect. I could have named him in those. Uh, I think he, he's, he's, he's playing extremely well in the NCAA. But again, it, you see goalies dominate the NCAA and then kind of just fizzle out afterwards, right? Like even Caden Primo has not, yeah. he's not like, like, like there's so much hype around him and the progression has just kind of stagnated over the last few years. And mm-hmm. there is, there are reasons to be concerned there. And it's also why he's not my top ranked Habs goalie prospect anymore, right? Yep. So, yeah, I, I think that, that overall the Habs are doing well, but on especially on the defensive side of things, they, they need to find some more high-end prospects or just young NHLers, right? If they can mm-hmm. get... Like, I would have loved to see the Habs go after a guy like Ethan Bear. I think Ethan Bear was extremely undervalued as, as an asset. Like, it was him and uh, an AHLer for a fifth-round draft pick, right? Yep. Like. And, and Ethan Bear is a highly intelligent defenseman who, in his time in Edmonton, was putting up some of the best defensive results in the entire league while facing some of the worst minutes in the entire league, like yeah. heaviest minutes, minutes. And he's still very young, uh, has enough offensive intelligence to, to to drive play offensively and in transition, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think taking a bet on him would have been very interesting for the Habs, especially since he's a right-shot guy. But... Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what the Habs' plan is on the defensive side of things, especially because this draft class isn't that type of defense-heavy class. Exactly. And speaking of defensemen, we'll be back to discuss the Habs rookie demon uh, and uh, some of their 2022 NHL draft prospects right after these messages. First off, I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. If you got that many people on board, you're definitely doing something right. Simply Safe's priority is your safety. They protect you using cutting-edge security tech powered by 24/7 professional monitoring agents who've always got your back. I love what Simply Safe has to offer. From clear, crystal clear HD live stream of your security cameras to full control of your system from your phone with their app and smarter ways to detect real break-ins so you aren't pestered with uh, false alarms while you're going about your workday, they've got sensors for everything from burglaries to fires to floods and other threats to your home. They've really got you covered. You can customize your perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL to learn more. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. And we're back with Sebastian High of Dauber Prospects and his own Substack channel. Uh, you can find all his work on Twitter. Um, I'll get right into it. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, the Habs rookie demon this season, Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris, and Arbor Jackeye. Um, I want to ask you which one of the three has surprised you the most. Not necessarily which has been the best, but which one has exceeded your expectations so far for this year. Ooh, that was a bit tougher. Um, mm-hmm. I'd probably say Caden Gooley has surprised me the most and I came into this season expecting him to be excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, okay, look, his actual impacts on the ice are not good, but he's playing every minute with David Savard against top competition. So take that with a, with a healthy dose of, of salt there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know how I feel about David Savard. I think, I think I, oh, I, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm very aware, yeah. uh, but I, I've really just liked, especially how he's been playing in transition, because that for me was always a, a big question mark with Caden Gooley. It was always mm-hmm. like the, the, the turnovers in transition and, and in the breakout of just constantly giving the puck back after doing making a great play to to take a possession away, right? Uh, and this, this season, he's on that pairing, 
he's heavily leaned on for the, the workload in transition because it's not going into David Savard. We know mm-hmm. that, but he he's been doing a lot better than I, than, than, than I was expecting him to. I still think in, a, in an ideal scenario, he's being paired with a legitimate puck mover because yep. Cade Gooley, despite being very mobile and fast, he's not a puck mover, right? Mm-hmm. He, he is defensive stalwart and he can do some very interesting things in the offensive zone, but his actual play in offensive transi- transition is not an like an outright strength. Mm-hmm. So if if the Habs were to play with a guy like, like Jordan Harris or Mike Mike Matheson when he comes back from injury, mm-hmm. I'd be very interest, interested to, to see how he fares and and just how his impact on the game differ from right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he still has surprised me just just because uh, he, he's been ex- extremely calm as well. I've, I haven't seen him panic at all this season. He mm-hmm. seems extremely confident in his own in his own abilities. And again, as I said earlier, like, like he's currently playing like number two defensive minutes. Uh, and I think ideally, once he's in his prime, he's in number three, right? So I, I definitely think he's out of his depth currently, but he's faring better than I think he should be. And he's carrying that pairing, right? Uh, like, it, without a doubt, right? I mean, David Savard is spending half of his ice time on his belly uh, <laughs> trying to, to, to break up passes across crease. Yeah. But yeah, again, there, there, there are things he needs to work on. I think that. Uh, Gooley's been overly aggressive often uh, in transition defense this year mm-hmm. of things that were working in junior hockey of of just that intense pressure that kind of just makes players freeze and give them like a deer in the headlights moment is yep. not happening with NHL competition, right? Like they have the awareness and the composure to slide the puck to a teammate. And we've seen quite a few odd man rushes occur because of that and him mm-hmm. being overly aggressive and over committing to transition defense. But that's something that he, he's intelligent enough to to kind of balance that out and find like how how aggressive he has to be in transition yep. defense, but yeah, so he, I, I think he surprised me in, like like the most of the bunch. But I think Jordan Harris has been the best of the rookie defensemen. I definitely agree. Um, I I would sort of lean on Arbor Jacki's side because I genuinely did not expect him to be NHL you know ready at all. I did not expect him to steal a spot from anyone. I still don't think he's exactly there, but he's way above the. AHL third pair level that I pinned him at so far. I thought he'd need a lot more time to develop his game and, and grow um, in, in, in decent increments what I think you know needs to improve in his game. Um, but Harris, to me, has genuinely been the best of the three. And, you know, there the are best still... Team. He's yeah, been the best defenseman. Just, just straight up been the best defenseman on the team. And to me, you know, if you had told me that last year, I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, to me, I, I, I always liked Jordan Harris as a player. I like the fact that he's smart and and understands his position really well and, and all that stuff. But I didn't see the high-end puck skills. I didn't see the, the transition ability that, that I see this year from him. And I'm just blown away. Um, so moving on from that, I want to hop straight into Uri Slavkovsky. So first, I want your impressions on this game so far. I think we're both on the same page about where he should be playing. But in terms of where he is playing right now and what he's giving, uh, I just want your thoughts on that. I've I've always found that, that he's been probably the best player on the fourth line, where, where he's kind of just been 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 placed for the last like what seven games that he's played in the lineup. He's been on the fourth line, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I feel like he's outperforming Jake Evans when he's on there, and whoever the other uh, winger is. It's a real rotating cast there, but. Mm-hmm. He, he's been very consistent in his play, and he, he he's he's been again one of my, my my big qualms with him last year in his draft year was the consistency of his offensive zone reads and mm-hmm. especially off puck right like like where is he going and and what does he plan on doing is he puck watching or is he actively trying to create space 
for himself or for teammates. And he's doing a lot more of that, that this year at the NHL level, which I'm very happy to see, right? Because he's, it, it, it is showing a very clear progression in his offensive hockey sense, which was, again, it was a question mark last year, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially for people ranking him in the top three, right? Like, like you were a little bit concerned about that hockey sense in the offensive zone of just like, the high-end upside of it, not, not saying that it's bad or anything, but yeah. just how far is it going to carry him? Right, or, or where will will it limit him? And I, I've seen enough progression in that this season where I'm not overly concerned about that aspect of his game anymore, which is awesome. Uh, I'm very happy to see that. Uh, he, he's retaining possession a lot better in the offensive zone. Uh, he's not gifting away possession by just throwing pucks on net. He's been very, very cerebral with when he's shooting, which I like to see. Like I, I know some people look at like shot numbers and are like, oh, he's not shooting enough. He's a good shot. He's a sniper, and it's like, well, despite his three goals, zero assists on the season, no, he's not a sniper. Uh, he is a playmaker first and foremost, and that mm-hmm. that's going to shine through in the point tallies eventually, uh, especially when he's actually playing with people that are more offensively inclined than his current line mates. Yep. But, uh, like, I'm happy that he's not just triggering every single shot because in the end, if you're shooting from everywhere, especially against NHL goalies, you're gifting possession away most of the time, unless you're being very calculated with when you're shooting. And Slap has been. He, he, he really decides when he wants to shoot or when he wants to like, circle back and just re- retain possession for a little bit. And that is a progression I'm very happy to see. Uh, on the defensive side of things, I think that he's, he's a, bit more, a few more question marks there with his pro readiness. Yeah. Uh, but... He, He's he's been showing more progression, especially for playing against NHL competition than I was expecting to see. Yep. At the same time, I do want to see him in the AHL, and I think that you're on on the same page there. I'd like to see him play at least 35 games in the AHL this season because he has that really like 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 elite skill. Like Mm -hmm. his puck skills are tremendous. And he's not able to really pull that off. We we saw it it, throughout training camp as well. He was trying all these creative things and it just it was never really materializing into anything apart from a turnover. Yep. And I'd like to see him actually be in a situation where he first has the minutes where he can just try things, mm-hmm. but also is against a competition where like, okay, yes, it's pro hockey in North America. There isn't the same amount of, of, of open ice as he had last year, mm-hmm. but this isn't the level of play where he's constantly just being like constrained and he can actually, cause he's, he's a lanky guy too. He takes up a bit of space when he's, when he's maneuvering around. Yep. And if he can learn to try to like, like, like just like use those skills at the North American pro level, mm-hmm. I think the AHL is, is the perfect place for him for that. Yep. Right. And he has line mates. You're not sending him down to a terrible team. You're sending mm-hmm. him down to a, what should be a winning environment. Laval hasn't exactly won many games this season but it's yeah, a strong it's team a... on paper right like like he, you're, you're not sending him down to play with some long forgotten ex fourth liner from the age from the nhl who never ended up making it or sticking it right like yeah he's playing with skilled young players right if you send him down you're, you're playing him with Jesse yalona Sevi simonu jan mishak right like you have skill there but and also for like the older guys mitchell stevens anthony richard right you have interesting pieces there for him to play with and yep. the entire defensive core there is fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think it'd be a great place for him to just kind of fine tune those skills. And I also want him to keep the confidence in his offensive uh, toolkit. Cause we saw this happen with multiple first round picks in the past with the Habs of rushing them to the, to the NHL and kind of pitching, pitching, holding them into like a, a bottom six role in with the mindset of, Oh, 
the player's good enough right now, so may as well stick it in the NHL. Yeah. But in reality, you, you don't just want them to stick it. You want them to be in the NHL and make a difference, right? Exactly. That is the goal for them. You don't just want them to tread water. And placing them in the AHL to fine-tune those skills and gain the confidence to use them, I think, is key. So I'm definitely of the mind that, look, I, I don't mind if you burn a year of his ELC. Like, who cares? It's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, keep him in for another month or something, but if you send him down, be very, very transparent about why you're sending him down. It being purely development, you believing that he is NHL level already, but you want him to fine tune these things. You want him to be creative, rack up the goals, rack up the assists, play with fun, young, skilled guys that he might play with in the future as well. Mm-hmm. And once you send him down, keep him down, right? Don't, don't bring him back up. You don't want him bouncing up up and down, right? Like mm-hmm. I want him to have some consistency, both in terms of where he's playing, but also the linemates he's playing with. Uh, which he hasn't really had in the NHL to start his career. Uh, so, um, again, it's, it's all the more impressive what he's done so far. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think AHL is perfect for him. Yeah, league consistency, teammate consistency, and ice time consistency is what really yeah. is going to shape a prospect's game. Uh, and it's definitely going to be the case for Slavkovsky, which is why I'm on the same page as you in terms of sending him down. It's especially the fact that, um, especially if you've got an environment in, in Laval where there isn't that pressure to perform every every game and the and the the coach ends up playing him 15 minutes or less and he's just let out there to, to, to go ham and, and and explore things by trial and error, it's exactly the environment he'll need in order to, you know, evaluate and explore the facets of this game that he can play with at the next level. Uh, but that's going to be us for that's going to be it for us uh, today. Um, I want to really thank you, Sebastian, for uh, coming on uh, these last two episodes. It's been great to have you on. We've had some great discussions from everything from the 2023 draft prospects all the way to um, the Habs rookie demon and a lot more. Um, just remind everyone where they can find you again. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, very, very happy. That I'm first ever guest here, so yep. that, 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 that's great to hear. Uh, but yeah, so just find me on Twitter. Uh, everything I do is centralized there. So when I post an article of some sort in my Substack, it's on Twitter. If I post an article for Dauber, it's on Twitter. When I update ratings for Dauber, it's on Twitter. When I'm ranting about the Habs, that's on Twitter too. So whatever I do is going to be on Twitter eventually. Uh, so just follow me there. It's kind of the one-stop shop. Uh, so yeah, that'd, that'd be great. Well, great. It's been great to have you on and I hope you see uh, you some more. And uh, for our viewers, uh, we will see you next time. This has been Locked on NHL Prospects with Hattie Kalakesh and first time ever guest Sebastian Hyde.